Hello and welcome to the Undercut Podcast. We are back to review all the feeder series action from Abu Dhabi, which this time just involves our trusty old friend, Formula 2. I am one of your hosts, Simo Bustelli, and I am joined by the other plucky member of this feeder series podcast review episode, which is none other than Jesse Billington. How are you, old chap? I got my hopes up thinking you were about to call me a trusty old friend, but you said you were referring to Formula 2, so if anything, I'm slightly disheartened at this point. Well, we're all feeling a bit disheartened, Jesse, because it's the end of the F2 season, so that's perfectly understandable, and it's it's very sad times indeed. So we're just going to segue smoothly into what the hell has happened, which amusingly, we're going to start with not Formula 2, because on Friday, Formula 1 announced F1 Academy, which, nutshell version, all new female driver category, 15 drivers spread across five teams, seven events, at least one of which will be on an F1 weekend, with three races per event, a bit similar to US Formula 4 in terms of the structure for a weekend, and 150,000 driver budget, and they will be driving turbocharged four-cylinder engines powered single-seaters with 165 horsepower and 13-inch Pirelli tires. Initial thoughts, Monsieur Billington. Well, my initial thoughts were I was hoping you'd rather going to introduce this section differently because I know in the last podcast we joked about doing a Mock the Week style episode and I was hoping you're going to say if this is the answer, what is the question? The answer is misogynistic comments on Facebook posts. Uh, the question is Formula One Academy. And unfortunately, it's always cool. going to be hit with... Cool. Sort of... Arsehole's online. What's the question? Yes. That's not a question, just yeah. a statement. I realise which why you're better at this. Um... Yeah, and yeah, it's annoying that it always is going to get met with this internet backlash, but I do think this is a good thing. I think you can never have too many opportunities for opening up sports to a broader audience and a broader array of talent and athletes coming through. I think that is, without a doubt, a great baseline to be working from. Formula One are doing a lot to work on this. They're doing a lot to FIA as well as a whole. are doing a lot to pour money into sort of grassroots motorsports, and we're definitely seeing that to encourage female drivers into the series, which is great. We're seeing a fairly decent diversity of drivers from across the world in the sport at the moment but we're now looking to try and balance that gender-wise and it's nice to see we've got another rung on the ladder that's dedicated to showcasing and promoting female talent quite how effective this one's going to be is yet to be seen i think the problem is w series has set the bar quite low when it comes to promoting female talent up the ranks into motorsport through no fault of their own it would, should also be said. I feel like a lot of that is also on the F3 and the F2 teams not taking a chance on anyone, aside from the one driver who wasn't in W Series in Tatiana Calderon, who earned this spot in her own right. But again, you think, yeah, lovely, but what about these other ones who really deserve to be there as well? You've got at least five or six straight out the box who should at the very least be in F3. And it's this kind of awkward thing there. It's this elephant in the room the size of the one of the last Top Gear episode. Yeah, the, the entire criticism can't be dumped at the door of W Series in that regard. You've got to look at the likes of not enough F1 teams jumping on the drivers and taking it seriously. You look at, there's a few of them attached to teams, obviously Chadwick with Williams, you've got Hawkins with Aston Martin, you've got both Alice's, uh, no, Alice Powell and Abby Pulling, um, a, both APs rather, uh, Alpine, there's a lot of AP syllable cons, vowel consonants. Um, so there's a few attachments there, sort of drivers to teams, but there's not a lot that's been actively done with it. And it would have been nice to have seen some actual success from it. 
and hopefully we're going to see some more success from W Series. Hopefully it'll be back for 2023. Obviously it did have to curtail its 2022 season, but the F1 Academy, the key point for this is, yeah, it's great to have another rung on the ladder. It's great to have this broader outreach and again, this accessibility and it's not directly competing with W Series. It has stated it's looking to be a feeder to W Series, which means that it's sort of cutting in. Uh, as long as then W Series comes back and I feel like the one thing missing from this announcement would have been some kind of, I know they're not directly responsible for it, but some kind of, if I is not short of a few quid, we're going to make sure that W Series can at least run, if not a full season, a, 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 say how many were we supposed to have this year? Was it eight rounds something or like something? That? Yeah, because some of them were doubles, weren't they? Um, so say if it's eight, if you're already doing this for this, you've probably still got a few quid spare, at least have a six round season spread out throughout the year so we get something going there. I'm sure you could make that happen. Um, so it's a shame we couldn't see anything else on that one. The one other little point I want to say for you is I know where I think it would be best for F1 Academy to be on the same weekend as Formula One. But of all the races on the calendar next year, where do you think it should be? Because, uh, of course, we've got... Is it only going to be, uh, if I'm allowed to pick, just one? At least one. They've not said it's going to be on any others, which in itself... We'll lead into another question I've got for you in a minute. But for this one, if they can only be on one F1 weekend, where would you like to see them? Ooh, that is a really good question. Bearing in mind that there is only one correct answer. <sighs> Season opener, Bahrain. <laughs> no. Nope. Eyes of the world return to the sport. Everyone looks back down. You've got Formula 3, you've got Formula 2, you've got F1 Academy, you've got women driving in the Middle East in a major racing series. I think that's quite important. Bear in mind, I think in like the Middle Eastern legs or, or sort of F4, you do have a few female drivers coming through there, making great moves in itself. But I think putting them on an even bigger platform would be absolutely fantastic for multitudes of reasons. I don't get why it's me, a guy, talking about this. We probably should have Ellie May on for this, but she's otherwise engaged. But the fact of the matter is, the sentiment is still the same, is the fact that I think it'd be brilliant to have that broader platform. I think Bahrain would be good. I'm thinking F1 is going to ultimately go with America because it's got a larger audience. My backup answer... I would prefer Silverstone myself because you have a massive audience there and it is going to do them a lot of good in Britain, especially as it is still the only free-to-air race there. And I feel like you'll get a lot more casual viewers that way as well because it's Silverstone. You've got multiple being massive there. You get a lot of European look on it there as well, which says Europe, America is doing well in sport, but Europe is still the capital for this kind of stuff. It would be the obvious choice for me. And as well, you could have F2, F3 and W Series all on the same weekend as well. And you genuinely wouldn't mind it for that It'd one. It'd be a very busy weekend, but yeah, I think they could... But it'd be so It'd still. be very good. Um, my other option would have been something like Brazil. I would have liked to have seen W Series in Brazil. And again, it's a country that, or a neck of the world, rather. You look at South America, a lot of racing talents come from there previously. And we've only not really had a great deal of female drivers come from there. So it'd be nice to, again, give that an opportunity to give it a bit more representation, I think, would be an ideal choice. Which I feel like is just a perfect example for me to name drop and give a bit of kudos to a South American driver who is up and coming, who is just always worth of a mention, who's been in US Formula 4, which is Mati Ceceres, which uh, she's doing great. So if you don't know her, go and have a look. Have you, you had her on all the curbs, yeah? And I have. She was an absolute delight. Yeah. See, I knew I'd be able to squeeze a plug in for you there. I'm much obliged, which one more question before we then actually do get to Formula 2. Seven events, if we say Silverstone is one of them, leaves us with six. If they're not on F1 weekends, 
then let's assume for a moment, which we're probably going to be massively wrong on this, but let's just assume that those six will not be at any of the same venues that F1 go to. Which six tracks in the world would you like them to go to? So they're going to sort of bump into things like European F4, aren't they? And Freca, that sort of thing. So um, Depends where you go. Yeah. I wouldn't be... Because you've got a lot of opportunities there for a lot of places where... Or a lot of tracks that either F1's not been to. You've got a lot of stuff that maybe F4 in the US uses or F4 in Spain mm. uses that we don't go to, to F1 because it is just for this Dubai kind of Autodrome. Category. I'm going to stick with my idea of having them on, on a big display in the Middle East and really doing a big drive for it. I still think that would be a good idea, yeah, have one over there at least. I think Dubai Autodrome, I know, features some part of like the the Saudi or Middle Eastern F4 series, I can never remember what it's called. Um, UAE, yeah, it would be great to have them out there, either there or off-season when it's not F1, if they raced around Abu Dhabi, that would be quite good. So I think definitely there would be good. I can see them doing something like um, Mugello in Italy. Again, it's not been on the F1 calendar, it's not going to come back to the F1 calendar, but it's a good circuit, a demanding track, and again, it's putting it in front of a bit of European audience. I think something like the Norris Ring or Zolder would be quite good. Um, I was thinking as well, Imola would maybe be better for them, just because you could actually overtake there with smaller cars, and it'd be nice to see a good race there for a change. Uh, Brands Hatch. Brands would be good. We had the W Series 2019. And I'm also thinking about Jerez, Magnicor. Um, okay, do you call it Jerez or Jerez? Depends on the date, to be honest. Okay, just me being pedantic. It depends, yeah. how, it depends how, what the pronunciation gets to by the time it's out of my mouth. You sort of start off and then go, oh, this is Spanish. Yeah, there you go. Yes. And then just because it'd be a bit of fun, Istanbul and Portimao. I don't think Istanbul would be the best option for it. Although that's not, oh, but we stick them in Saudi Arabia. That's not saying anything bad. We do have a fair amount of Turkish listeners on this podcast. Hello to you. I'm sure you're lovely. Um, but the circuit hasn't been brilliant as a whole the past few times Formula One's been there. It'd be a great challenge. It'd be a good them. challenge. Yeah, I'm thinking if you were to, you'd have to give them a North American leg. I'm thinking you take them to a lesser known Canadian circuit, or you go to one of the IndyCar. Um, street circuits. Th- I was going to say IndyCar street circuit. Either like a proper there. street circuit. I want, long, I want Long Beach actually because then we get the flower garden. Yes, again. yeah. I think either like one of the street circuits or one of like the a proper courses like one of the Road Americas, Road Atlantas sort of thing because they're usually mm. still a pretty demanding circuit and again it's putting them in oh, yeah. a large platform in front of some important eyes and again equally putting them in America it opens them up to things like Indy Lights, IndyCar, NASCAR, NASCAR Cup Series and all that. I think it is a beneficial thing i think it's uh, crucial there because it, it, you've got the talent what spot is there for it which yeah so step in the right direction basically and hopefully we can have a very successful bit of that next year which uh, considering how long f1 is going to be we might need this to cheer ourselves up a bit if that gets as depressing as it could do but anyway back to formula two and i'm going to race through some news with you jesse because there's been a lot of it, and there's probably been a bit more since we started recording this, because that's what happens every week when we do this. But Juan Manuel Correa drove in Formula 2 for the first time this weekend since Spa 2019, where obviously there was the massive crash that uh, gave him quite severe injuries, and he's been working his way back up ever since then, competing in Formula 3 for all of this year, getting a podium there earlier in the year. And... uh, 
just great to see him back in Formula Two, and I kind of hoped that it wasn't a one-off. And we, we and uh, as long as it's it's not done nothing worse to him in terms of recovery, then I hope we get to see him back there full time next year. Yeah, as a, it's nice to see another step in the right direction for him, fighting his way back. I know he's it's been a a rough ride for him in Formula 2 this year he hasn't had necessarily the best car to try and make his comeback with but it's been a good one to gently work at a recovery on so I think it's been a sort of a mixed blessing in that regard um, but yeah back into a Formula 2 seat relatively competitive drive against and again not a brilliant car I can't remember who he drove for but yeah it it's just that step in the right direction it's just a wholesome thing to see of him sort of making that comeback slowly but surely and again taking his time I think it was Fernandez Ford which it's their first proper season in Formula 2, so it can be forgiven, but very nice of them mm. to give the opportunity. Yeah, it's nice to be sort of recognised for it, and yeah, it's it's that nice circularity to it, it's that getting back to where you started from, and I think as more of the mental recovery than the physical recovery, I think this would have been a huge milestone for him. So yeah, massive congratulations to him for sort of clearing that hurdle, as it were. And talking of not giving up in a different manner... Ralph Boschon is going to be back for what has got to be a record-breaking number of years in Formula 2 at this point with Campos for Formula 2 in 2023. He has, I think this is going to be his sixth or seventh season in F2. It's not consecutive because he did have a break for a little bit, but he is a dog with a bone. And while I don't think he's ever going to really make it to Formula 1, I would be happy to be to be proven wrong on that one, but he could do with having a better year. He, when he's there, he's on it, and he does some absolutely great results. But in, st- but in terms of hooking it up over an entire season, he's never quite managed it. So it'd be very interesting to see what he can do. Well, here's the thing. He is a f- about a week and a bit older than I am, um, Boshong. He's 19th September. He's 32. No, I'm not 32, you rude man. I'm 25. And so is Boshong, actually, by... a older than me yeah which is quite old for formula 2 and yeah he did formula 2 in 2017 2018 2019 did two races in 2020 uh then came back for 2021 and again this year so he's he's been in this series for a long time campos mp motorsport tried and then back at campos you'd expect for him to have moved on by this point and he just hasn't and the results have never truly been there to produce it otherwise and uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's not. But I mean, he he does he does good. I mean, he had a a bit of a an, an early off season earlier this year, if I'm remembering correctly, and then came back and did absolutely brilliant in Spa. But it's kind of again, it's these very extreme flashes in the pan of good results, and then it kind of just settles back in. And Abu Dhabi wasn't particularly a great weekend for him overall, but. Uh, it's he's a nice guy and we want and it's it's nice to see that he's he's always been very resourceful in terms of getting sponsorship and getting drives and he's got a very unique livery on his car shall we say thanks to his sponsors so it's it shows how difficult it can be to not only stay in f2 but to stay relevant but he keeps finding a way and that's why we're talking about him and that like i said that's why i'm very interested to see what he can do next year because we always keep thinking with F2 being such a, a merry-go-round for drivers coming in and out all the time as they either disappear into obscurity or move up into Formula 1. When you see someone sticking around for as long as he has, you kind of 
can't help but root for him a bit and you want to see you've got this far what can you do but I also don't know where he goes if he if he does leave it and he wants to get into F1 he's going to end up going to endurance racing somewhere he's going to be one of those names that you see crop up you make in it a, sound like it's a punishment he, he, I don't mean that in a bad way but he's going to end up in an LMP car at some point isn't he I'm fairly certain if, e. let's keep him single seat maybe I mean let's see if you, if you were to go back and find our oh Christ Dan Tickton can get into bloody Formula E yeah he true can't drive for shit so if he can do that rough Bosham should certainly be able to yeah, I mean, if you go back and find our Where Are They Now video, which we did on uh, pulling apart the F2 grid, which is actually on our old uh, page, my old YouTube channel, um, you'll probably find what we thought of Ralph Boschong then. So that'll give you a more accurate representation of it. But yeah, he's he's been around for a while, and I think it's probably getting on for time for him to move on and, like me, get an adult job and start doing adult things. Never. In other news, though, Arthur Leclerc has joined Formula 2 in 2023 with Dams, which is interesting because when we were talking about him in our Formula 3 review, he had an all right year, but nowhere near as good as we thought. And one wonders, is this a bit of a reverb of the Schumacher effect in terms of your name can carry you through some doors that your results can't? I think there is a a significant risk that potentially at this point his name is being is sort of carrying him along a little bit I mean the talent's there you've interviewed him haven't you for again on the curbs have you not no I have not unfortunately but uh I, I love the episode you've watched where that happens because that I've means it's coming preconditioned it I can see it happening in the future (laughs) um but yeah Dam's sort of fairly mediocre team Um, they've had some decent performances this season um with Ayumi Owasa isn't he he's to be fair, it, it's again, it's it's a matter of being uh, driving a team. It's a bit like Aston Martin, you're driving with one hand tied behind your back because the second driver on your team is Roy Nassani. Um, but Iwasa has done pretty well. He's got two wins there this season in feature races. And it's not a bad outfit. Marcus Armstrong drove for them before and got some good results. And it's, it's like I say, it's Arthur is a good driver. There's no disputing that. But it's it's that next little bit, which I always keep going back to. Is he a great driver? And going off his Formula 3 season where he was beaten by a good couple of rookies, it doesn't look great for him. So it's it's not surprising, but it does go against my advice in the Formula 3 season review, or, or triple header review, rather. Yeah, I mean, you, if you look back at it, obviously, Iwasa has been against... You compare drivers against their teammates, you look at Iwasa versus Nassani in the same car. Iwasa finished this season fifth place with 141 points to his name and a brace of wins and a couple of podiums scattered in there as well. Not bad. Then you look at Nassani's results and highest position is fourth in a sprint race around Imola. Which I think he started from pole as well for that as well. So in a sprint race he lost places. And he could have won the feature race. But he crashed spectacularly trying to get into the pits. Yeah, he sort of Nissanied himself was there. Just classic yeah. Nissani. And yes. he scored overall from the season 20 points. So a long way shy of what his teammate has been able to prove he can do. About seven, yeah, seven times less points just shy of, or just over even. Um, so yeah, it's. It's a mixed team. It's a tricky one to get a read on because you've got one very good driver in Ayumu Iwasa, but then again, at the same time, you're trying to sort of peg that against Roy Nassani. So, interesting one to work out there. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what Leclerc does with it next year for certain. Another interesting move 
is that Fred Vesti, Mercedes junior driver, is moving back to Prima in Formula 2 for 2023, having, dri- having driven for them rather in Formula 3 back in 2020. Prima, not as good as they usually are this year in Formula 2, but we'll be looking to rectify that. And I think Vesti and Prima could be quite a good combination as uh, he goes into his second full year in Formula 2. So I'm quietly optimistic and hopeful for him because he is a good driver. I just think he needs to... He needs to get a bit more ruthless, I think, and really start pushing a bit more. He's had some consistent results, but not as much as we may have hoped from him, especially when compared to some other rookies that have come into the season after being in F3 in 2020. He's going to have a bit of a fight on his hands to really sort of stamp his name on it. I think, as we've always meant, we've alluded to it already, that next year's 20, uh, Formula 2 championship is going to be a hard-fought one. I know Porsche is going to be driving hard to really stamp his name on it early. And there is a few other drivers that are reaching potentially the end of their sort of competitive Formula 2 career when they're young enough to make this jump to F1 your Daruvlers Dewans Lawsons Sargents well Sargents already made the jump um, Armstrong especially is also going to be on that list just sort of chasing down that elusive Formula 1 seat Richard Vershaw is another name you could easily chuck in there so it's yeah he's got a lot to live up to and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it pays off but um, yeah, I was just looking at sort of the li- comparing and contrasting the 22 grid. Uh, Halger, of course, I think we're about to mention it possibly, um, moving to, or oh, we've already mentioned it, I can't remember which way. MP Motorsport, yeah. MP Motorsport, yes. I can't remember if we mentioned that in last week's podcast or not, but again, he's going to have Ollie Behrman for company in Prima as well, which uh, very fast little pocket rocket in Formula 3 this year. So it's is but again we've seen with Helga just because you have a great Formula Three season it is very different when you get to Formula Two not everyone is Oscar Piastri so it's it's going to be very interesting and I'm quite looking forward it's all shaping up rather nicely indeed with the final bit of news before we get into the weekend racing being that Brad Benavides of Formula Three and Roy Nassani have been testing or will be testing rather for Charus in the Abu Dhabi postseason test. Interestingly, just testing being the key with the which with Brad Benavides, I can understand. Formula 3, American, a lot of potential there. I could see that one actually maybe happening or him joining their team in like a more like official capacity, but not in a in a seat position in Formula 2. Whereas Roy Nassani, is that a sign of he's got one more team left in him or is he just good for testing now? And is that just a sign of the money he's got behind him? Because if we were basically on performance and not just this season, cough, Silverstone, cough, um, he should have been out here long ago, surely. Yeah. I mean, if you look at his FP1 drives as well, his ability to get anything out of that Williams has always been proven to be quite crashy. If anything, what he's gotten out of the Williams is several small pieces of what used to be said Williams. Um, yeah, I don't think Nassani's long for the world of F2. And he, if he's good for testing, I think that's possibly even pushing it a bit. Um, gentleman GT racer, possibly, for a privateer team. Certainly not a factory team. But yeah, again, this is all stuff that we would have touched on in that previous uh, video. I just can't see Nassani hanging around F2 for too much longer. He's He's proven what he can do, and unfortunately it's not a lot, I think is the fairest way of putting it. Yeah, no, which which makes my next point quite awkward because qualifying he came P two. Yeah, somehow so got. It's yeah. kind of uh, I don't quite understand how that happened. 
but yeah, both so we'll dams on the front on the row. Iwasa pole because that's much easier to deal with. Yeah, much easier to deal with the Awasa pole. Again, he's proven to be a spicy little driver through the season. We've always loved sort of seeing him do well and celebrating it in the group chat. It's always been an enjoyable thing because he's a good bit of talent there. And of course, he's got this Red Bull siding with him. So could be one to watch for the future, especially if Honda decides to do what it usually does and stick its head back into Formula One and all of a sudden it needs some drivers. You've got a very, very fast Japanese driver in Iwasa. So yeah, Iwasa pole, Nissani second, Dam's front row lockout, which paid off come the feature race. Uh, didn't really help either of them, obviously, in the sprint with the reverse top end of the field. No, but it proved for an interesting sprint race at least. It did do a nice warm-up for the weekend. It was a little slow at times, but it is Abu Dhabi, and not even Formula 2 can save that at some times. Opening lap crash between Fittipaldi and Druvula. Very much summed up Druvula's season, I feel. Uh, but Liam Lawson, P1 in the end. Very, very nice drive from him, especially as we mentioned in our F1 review after getting a P5 in the Red Bull, which was a surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. Vashore in P2 and Drogovic, because good old champion that he is, P3. And it could have been a Maury Cordial at some point because he was running in a podium places. Best finish of the season at fifth. Kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, it, a bit of a surprise from Cordial. Eventually the Probably tyres started to let him, him down a bit. That as well, yeah, I think it surprised him at moments. And then unfortunately the tyres just started to get away from him and his race started to unwind a little. But it wasn't a terrible core deal performance and potentially signs that with a bit of the right coaching and a bit of driver development, there might be someone worth hanging on to for another year or two in him. If you can get working on him now, come the end of 2024, he might have an F1 signing. It could be for something like a test and reserve seat. Who knows? But it's better than a kick in the teeth. And I think this is the bit we use for the uh, promotion for this episode and we get everyone talking. They'll like, what the Cordial for an F1 Cordial seat? Cordial to F1? Mad? <laughs> uh, maybe. It, it, it does rely on this whole idea of if you can get some driver training, if he can get associated with a major race team, if they can start working on him and building what appears to be a fairly decent bit of talent. But again... Good news is he's got a driver coach. Bad news is it's Roy Nassani. <laughs> ah, um, but yeah, would, does his position in that race stem largely from the reverse top end of the field from the sprint race though I will echo what Ellie May said about Pierre Gasly in the last podcast you still got to be there and make it to the end this is very true feature race wise though much more entertaining I thought than the sprint race and not just because we didn't have an hour delay because of a red flag in this one Iwasa P1 polder flag but did have a very juicy battle with Drogovic, who came home P2 for that win, which went down to the very last lap and was classic Formula 2 in that sense, with Lawson hoping they were going to come together or just cock up ever so slightly to so he could slip past and get another win. But he had to settle for P3 in the end, but very nice performance from him across the whole weekend. And again, hopefully this will be something where he can carry the momentum into 2023 if he's staying in F2, which I think he is, but we don't have an official word on that as of yet, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think he's been tied to Red Bull just yet. It depends, I suppose, for them. It depends whether or not they decide to sign Daniel Ricciardo as their test and reserve for next season. I go for the whole thing of have both of them and at the same weekend that F2 is on F1, you have Lawson there if you need him and then on everything else because there's going to be more races anyway. You've got Ricciardo. Job's a good one. 
And equally at that time, you've then got Daniel Ricciardo, proven race winner, brilliant driver, who can start doing some coaching with Liam Lawson. I don't think that'd be an unwise thing to put the two of them through. If anything, it'd be a very smart move from Red Bull to really start hammering home this idea that we have a competitive and competent driver, sort of young driver academy. And it'd be nice for that to kick in with Lawson and then they can start feeding it out into other drivers. I think it'd be productive. As a Aussie and a New Zealander together, that could be quite a fun combination in terms of just off-track antics. Oh, for certain, yeah. I, yeah, there'd definitely be a good bit of fun there, especially Liam Lawson. The new Mick and Seb act. Yeah, the, in a uh, regard. Um, yeah, plus Liam and his love of wine, as anyone who listens to or watches the Screaming Meals podcast will know that, of course, the he and the boys like a good good glass of wine and obviously Danny Rick has his DR3 wine so I think that'd be a, a pair made to go well there um, yeah it was definitely a more interesting feature race than a sprint though I'll echo you on that one especially Wasa Drogovic going into the final sort of sort of phases of the race very much worth watching on for um, Boschong and Porsche retirements that one for Porsche very much echoes his sort of case for the season which has been one marred with problems here there close and everywhere no cigar. yeah um, and I say close but also not that close not that close at all in the end really Drogovic sort of ran away from him to port at some points um the really interesting thing though was Duan tyre mishap which is Formula 2 wrapping out its season much like it started with uh, pit stop chaos and tyres going everywhere of all the drivers it had to happen to though he was he could have really upset the apple cart coming into the end of this race and I mean he did but again it's it's kind of in the same way that we said in the F1 review of the new regulations really up into the apple cart but not in the way we wanted it to yeah he wouldn't have quite gotten close to um Iwasa in the overall standings to take fifth place but again he's rookie this season it's just nice to get the win though and come out oh. from, from nowhere and just kind of do a Budapest on them yeah it would have been absolutely fantastic he's a rookie this season isn't he doing uh, yes I think so yeah I'm fairly certain he's the rookie this season yes because his last time Abu Dhabi they were there he was just testing out for the first time in Formula yeah. 2 so yes yeah, first full rookie season yeah so not a bad performance for a rookie and Again, yeah, it's just a good drive from him and just annoying that he was let down at the last minute by that tyre failure, which I'll get on to later as well. Um, but They would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for that pesky pit crew. <laughs> yeah, they would have done. Um, speaking of people who were slightly better time of things, Nissani and Cordiel. Again, Cordiel coming through with a positive report from a Formula 2 race. It's a lot to start hanging sort of future balances on, but... It's positive. Hasn't stopped you so far. Hasn't stopped me so far, and it never will. I love throwing out positive nonsense. Um, but the fact of the matter is, yeah, good race for him, worth commending him for. Weirdly, we're also going to do the same for Roy Nissani. Um, not a bad drive in the feature race, by all accounts. Yeah, and if this is his last race in Formula 2, then not a bad way to finish off what has been a, a career. Yeah. P10 points. Nicely done. And we can also, in this last bit of news before we head into winners and winners exclusively confirm on this podcast the breaking news that no one saw coming Logan Sargent can now join Williams in Formula 1 and has indeed done so yep he went and saw um, what's his face at Williams what's the um, Jost Capito principal that's it I keep thinking it's friends tossed it's the same it's Jost and tossed it's confusing and it's also very late in the evening uh, yeah He's been and seen Jost this morning and he's, he's signed his deal. He is driving alongside 
Alex Albon next season, which will be interesting. What do you think he's going to be able to do there? In his rookie season, and if, if we assume that Williams do make a step forward, which going off the last couple of seasons, they have been making steps forward. Because if we take into account the new regulations, it's still just about where we'd expect from them. So we want a few more points finishes from them next year. So how much of that is going to be Sergeant and how is that going to compare to Albon? It's going to be a similar structure and pattern to Albon Latifi, but they're both going to have more points. And we're not going to see as many critical errors from Sergeant that we've seen from Latifi. I think that'll be the deciding thing. People, he'll get a few points here and there in the same way Latifi does, but people won't think of him as the one that's constantly crashing in the same way that we think and thought of Latifi. Not to say thought of, it sounds very much like he's died. He's still alive, still with us. But he's pirouetted into the sunset. Yeah, he's off to go and do ice skating where he can spin around to his heart's content. Which, as nicely as anything, leads into our winners and spinners for this weekend, which for me, my winner, for reasons that I've already gone into, pretty much is Juan Manuel Correa. Just because, yeah, okay, the race results weren't great. Well, fuck off, leave him alone. He's had a really shit time of it lately. And he's worked his way back up to get into this position. So the fact that he can get in and beat, essentially, a good few of the other drivers who have been there for a decent who've been there at least for more than one round this season not too bad I mean if we really want to look at it and be generous he's finished higher than uh, Teo Chair did in this race yeah and Teo Chair, of course coming second in the championship so he's done better than the P2 guy in the championship it's not bad so yeah just a decent little race for one man will and I think hopefully a teaser of both physically car. getting back into the car Yes, a teaser of what's to come, a nice sort of mile marker on his physical and mental recovery after that pretty horrific crash in Spa in 2019. So, big up to Juan Manuel. What about yourself, though? Who is your winner for this weekend in Formula 2? For me, I've got to give it to Liam Lawson, really. Pretty decent weekend all round, especially even looking outside of Formula 2, looking at his FP1 drive in F1. Um, Sort of humbling Perez in a way, really. And that P5 position really showing that he can extract a decent bit of pace in that Red Bull car. And again, if he gets a bit of driver coaching from potentially Daniel Ricciardo, there's some talent there that if it's compressed and compiled in the right way could be worth Red Bull investing some time and money in. But yeah, again, two decent drives, two podium finishes, one of them being a win across the sprint feature. That's not a bad way to finish your season, is it, really? Very. Which, again, I feel like either at the beginning of the year or maybe even last year, I was thinking, Christ Lawson, you could do it a little bit better. And uh, again, proof that the tough love from moi does indeed work one way or the other. I mean, he's pretty much always been there through this season. Opened it up with a podi- two podiums across a weekend, another podium in Jeddah, and then he's just sort of had a smattering of podiums. There's been points scoring races. I think the trouble is when you have Drogovic being dominant and you have Piastri being dominant the year before, it does make it a bit trickier to even when you're that consistent for it to be noticeable as much as it would be in any other year. Yeah, his consistency has been key and it has been very good consistency. I mean, he's only just beaten Sargent in the standings by a sole point but again consistency and just doing exactly what he needs to do week in week out has really paid dividends there talking of people who are not doing what they need to be doing 
Spinners. Jesse, I'm going to stick with you. Who are your spinners for Abu Dhabi? My spinners for people who are not doing what they're supposed to be doing is the UNI Virtual Privacy Pit Crew for not doing their job properly or safely, I think is a key element to this as well. Um, it's a dangerous failure. And I know, I think it's always fun to joke about it being funny with wheels rolling all over the place and it being a bit of a pantomime. But at the same end of things, when you're coming through turns sort of two, three at Abu Dhabi in a single seater car. Pretty with, high speed corners. Yeah, with wings and ground effects on it, you're carrying a lot of speed and a lot of energy. And those wheels are not light things. So when one of them turns loose, it is quite dangerous. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you and I were hit with a fairly sizable fine by the from the FIA for that one, because I know they come down hard on it. Obviously, if you crash and a wheel breaks loose, that's different. The wheels are, mm. the wheels and the hubs are tethered to the car. There is literal sort of um, Kevlar strapping that holds them through down through the wishbones. But if your wheel just simply isn't done up properly, it's, it's unsafe and verges on no longer being very funny at all. If anything, especially if that gets loose into a marshal's area. I think the only logical thing to do there is to give Roy Nassani a 20-second penalty for any future races. Yeah, just give Nassani the penalty. I think it's safe. As for myself, I have gone for a different spinner, and that is Frenchman Clement Novelac, who he just didn't have another great race, really. I mean, I know it's tricky when Felipe Drogovic is your teammate, but come on, mate, you could do a little bit better, couldn't you? And it just uh, is another weekend this year where it just didn't really come to him at all. And I know I could say this about a lot of drivers, but I've chosen this one because it, he's, he's one of these names where when there's such a merry-go-round of drivers in F3 and F2, you start to really remember the ones that stick around for a, a, more than two years. And I have known him across these two categories for more than that time now. And I just expect better. Yeah, I, he's right on that tipping point. When you look at like all the results and everything from across the season, he's right on that tipping point where it goes from being mostly point-scoring results to mostly not point-scoring results. And yeah, it's unfortunate for Clem. I mean, he's got that one podium to his name. It was a sprint race in Zandvoort, wasn't it? He came P2 in that, yeah. I think. But again, yeah. that partly comes down to the reverse grids, partly comes down to the idea of you've got to be there to take the podium at the same time. But... Yeah, he didn't do very well because he was paired against Drogovic. The team have got a big backing behind the guy that they know is going to win the championship. It's hard to play second fiddle to that. And, and if he just... stays there next year, he's got Dennis Hauger for company, which good luck with that as well. <laughs> yeah, Hauger's fast. Hauger's, he's got the talent, the nous. He's going to have to come into next season and really stamp his name on things to have any real chance of making a move of things. But beyond that, I will say, perfectly nice guy. If he ever wants to invite me onto the Screw Meals podcast, I'm always here for it. Well, look at you being Mr. Diplomacy there. Hey, I got I, I got foods to eat and wines to drink. I need to be shaking and moving with the important people here. Never speak like that again. That is all we've got time for this week's episode. But do join us again soon. We'll be doing a season review episode for all of Formula 2. And we'll try and get a special guest along for that one from somewhere as well, because it would be fun to have a third person, not just Jesse and I prattling on all the time like the good old days. But What about Jacob Phillips? I, I, yeah, I mean, it's very possible. I mean, I don't know if he's uh, if he can tear himself away from his uh, very busy schedule of uh, reviewing every pub in the land. But uh, I will reach out accordingly and see if we can prize him off a pint. Yeah, we'll overturn a couple of bar stools and find him somewhere. Anyway, in the meantime, Jesse, where can the people find you if they want to see a bit more of you? 
or at least listen to a bit more. Uh, if they, well, you might even see a bit more of me. Occasionally, a picture, a, a picture, appear in a picture. No, he doesn't have OnlyFans, ladies and gentlemen. If that's not happening, no, I do not. That is certainly not happening. Um, I do. I feature regularly these days in Classic Car Weekly. Occasionally, a picture of me interviewing someone important. Um, but if you would like non-classic car content, I say that. But it's likely going to be classic car content. You can go and find me on Instagram and Twitter um, as at Jesse on Cars. So there's plenty more of me to go around. Timo, where can the people find you? Well, you can find me on The Curbs, the Nitro RX podcast, Paddock Sorority, Paddock Passion, Instagram, and Is It Fast, where I will do one last throwback to the very beginning of this podcast where I mentioned F1 Academy because I will have an article out on that site next week with 10 drivers who I think deserve a good opportunity to drive in either F1 Academy or W Series or both because with a couple of them I'm not first they just really deserve a damn seat in a top tier sport so keep your eyes peeled for that that'll be well worth the lookout for that's all we've got time for today this evening this week we'll catch you next time yeah bye bye